Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Show Me Potato Salad podcast. This show is brought to you by our good friends over at Clinkstone Brewery. I'm one of your hosts, JJ. With me today, we have Loopy Jr. and Keith. Later on in the show, we have scout extraordinaire Kevin Cruikshank joining us. As usual, we'll round up the show with our salad dressings of the week. Make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook to keep up to date with the podcast. Follow, like, share and subscribe and let us know you're listening. So we're, we're well deep in our NC500 training. Too we're deep to go back. <laughs> yeah, too deep to go back. We've got <laughs> sponsors, we've got our training, we've got things booked, we've got... <laughs> we are far too deep Kendrick, to go yeah, back. Too, way too deep to go back. We've got some... We've got some... Uh, we've gone too far now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's starting to sink in a little bit, isn't it? It is a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Like, I think me and Jordan were speaking about it the other day. On Was it Wednesday? Hit hockey? We were speaking about it. We're like, oh, we've only got like six weeks until we go away. And yeah. Like, holy shit. <laughs> so <six> yeah. weeks. <laughs> The frightening thing is, is that for the most part, we're maybe doing what one or two cycles a week. Yeah. Yeah. Like one and, small one during the weekend and one big one at the weekend. Yeah. And when I think of it that way, I'm like, shit, we've only got like, what, five, maybe four, if you want a bit of a rest before, like <laughs> big, nah. big runs before. I'm like, shit. Yay. It's starting to, it's starting to hit. It's starting to creep you. up. <laughs> but no, like, so the fucking, uh, the, the um, charity sponsors are flying up. They're still coming through. Thank you very much for that. Uh, yeah, that's been amazing. We've got some sneaky stuff coming on the way as well for some custom-made jerseys that we're going to show off on social media They soon. are spicy. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you to all the companies that have helped us out for that as well. We'll obviously yeah, get a social media sense. post out for that when we start announcing the jerseys and stuff. But no, yeah, that's been to get going. awesome. That's been awesome. Like, people have been so generous. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, super, super generous. Like, I... You kind of go out there and hope, in the hope that someone will give you a little bit of help. A little bit more like, than you've asked for or something but like the, that, yeah. But the amount of people that have kind of came forward and, yeah, yeah, we'll do that, yeah, we'll do yeah. that. Yeah, even, like, like yeah. how open they've been as well, like, but the odd one that being like, yeah, obviously times have been tough, which which is completely honest to everybody mm-hmm. because obviously COVID sat so many people on their arse and they're still more than happy to help. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely love. Um, yeah can't thank people enough but obviously like we say we'll, we'll start name dropping soon once the jerseys are in production and start throwing out some logos and stuff on the socials to let you guys see who's who's joining forces with us that's it yeah and huh. so last weekend we decided the four of us we decided to go and do a wee hill climb <laughs> we and this care and, and i'm saying we like this is probably as close as it's going to get to the Black is it black? Black, 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 apple cross. It's just probably as close as we're going to get around this area is yeah. to that to that uh monstrous climb. So the one we've done, what was that? About three kilometers? It was about three a kilometers third. Three kilometers of about 17% incline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we got to so, the bottom of it, there was a sign, and we, were, we kind of realized, oh shit, this is the first hill we've done with a sign at the bottom telling you the percentage. <laughs> so we're like, is it serious? <laughs> And then so, when we got about 30 seconds in, uh, we realized it was, it was definitely serious. <laughs> no, it was when it was when we'd done it, we got past like the really steep bit at the start. Oh, we, came, we came over the hill and we're like, is, is that us? Is that are, are we good? <laughs> we looked yeah. look at the map and we're like, we're only That's about a quarter of the way there, boys. <laughs> so then uh Callum decided to tell us, I need a shit. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> if, any, if anybody, anybody that's listening and, and you go out for a cycle, go for a jobby before you leave. Because <laughs> wiping your arse with docking leaves isn't the fun. <laughs> it's a new experience. And then just to balance out the experience, you came out the other end also a wee bit further up the hill, yeah. didn't you? <laughs> it's, it's, it's the, Chinese, the, the Chinese from the night before. <laughs> So yeah, get some good nutrition in before you go for a long cycle. cycle. So Callum shit in the woods. I, I speed. Uh, I fell off my bike twice. 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 <laughs> uh, we got overtaken. No, by no, 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 no. Speak about. Don't just brush so, off. We're going this so this fall. It was probably the steepest part of the hill, and it was like going up like a little, like a like a quite a tight left turn. A bend, a tight bend, yeah. And oh, so it was like majority of the hill we were standing up just to like push through because you couldn't sit down. It was too steep. And I thought to give my legs a wee break, I would sit back down just a little bit. But as I sat my arse down on the seat, the front wheel came up. So I shit myself and I couldn't unclip my feet from my pedal. Right, gravity fucking, struck. I just ate shit and it wasn't enjoyable. And then I tried to get back on my bike and fell over again. Well, that, was when, that was when I was still trying to catch up to you guys. And then I caught up, unclipped. Saw you were all right. And then saw Callum waiting about maybe five meters ahead of you. And then I started going way past Callum. He's yeah. like, I'm way past out. And just like, got off his bike. Just got off his bike and went and sat down in the gospels. It was like, the only feeling that I can describe it was, remember that night out that we went out on and I passed out in like a bell bar or something? Like, that's I what it felt like. I thought you were just like. standing waiting on you and then all of a sudden I just went past but I got way past out. Well, I originally did because I panicked when I heard him fall. So I had to like unclip. And then, like, throw myself onto the side. And I'm like, are you all right? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. And I'm like, oh, I feel awful now. I've stopped. <laughs> and then I brought up all my chips from the night before. Yeah. It was like, they looked unchewed as well. It just looked like solid fucking chips. Chew, chew your food, kids. Chew your food. <laughs> what made it worse was there was a guy that overtook us when we stopped. Up. Yeah, so we, we stopped and Callum went for, a, went for a shit. And there was a guy that overtook us. It was like smiling away. I'd say like he was maybe in his early sixties, mm, but he was built 50s, for cycling. 60s. Late fifties, yeah. late fifties, early sixties. Fucking 60s. tanking it up this hill, and then by the time that we got up a little bit further, he was coming back down. And then when we were coming back down, he was, he was fucking going, back, going up. back up. Yeah, we um, like, that right, guy was we'll just go back to the camper van. <laughs> there was no ounce of muscle on that guy. Holy <laughs> shit, he was fucking, frightening. Yeah. I might um, just give him my, my cycling jersey and send him. Yeah. <laughs> Could just then, all give him it. Just, just give him my glasses, give him my cycling jersey. There you go, mate. I'll, yeah, just get, I'll just give him my phone and tell him to rack up my Strava. And all yeah. <laughs> it was fair to say it was a, an eventful uh, climb training. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then me and, me and Callum got out today. Was that the 30th? Sunday the 30th. Yeah, yeah Sunday. Th- yeah, we got out today. And uh, it, w- it was all going so well. Like we headed out Bankery Way. Me and Callum were sitting 15, 16 miles per hour, cruising, absolute cruising, chatting away, just chatting shit to each other. And we're like, oh, this is no bad recycle, is it? Yeah, and then good. we hit, so the, we've done this route, well, you've done it now three times. So this is the third this time of today. This is your third time. This is my second. And we're going towards this hill, which was a 9% incline relatively decent hill to train on and police we kinda, road closure yeah road closure so we had to go back and go another route but then we got to the kind of the bottom of the hill and we were roasting at this point it was a scorcher the scorcher of the day and we thought right 
we're both wearing long sleeved. Let's let's take off our long sleeve. Let's prepare ourselves for this climb. So we've done everything we need to do. Prepared ourselves. Off we go. Well, it's, a, it's a hot day, is it? So it's a bit windy though, and I, we felt perfectly fine. We're like, oh, I might get a wee bit of the sun. <laughs> I feel like I've been on holiday in Mallorca for a week. Yeah, I was going to say, for people that don't know Jordan and Callum, Callum's ginger as fuck and burns so easily, and Jordan is just pale as shit. Yeah. Jordan's got a skin complexion of the Milky Bar kid. Yeah. A couple of squishies. A couple of squishies. The funny thing is, like, my leg is so, like, it's so burnt down the right hand side, but it's like split perfectly down the middle of my shin, <laughs> along my sock line, and then back up the back of my calf. So it's sore. Jordan is just burnt completely. Yeah, my knees, my knees are really bad, and my arms are honestly so sore now. I didn't think I was too bad, but now, now, now it's come at night time. I can feel myself start to like crisp up <laughs> i'm just like would be sleeping absolutely still tonight i have to try and uh, find herself a sun sun cream sponsor for <laughs> I, I didn't go out today so i thought i'd message them at half time and go have a good cycle boys <laughs> we're, yeah, we're pretty today, much yeah. done oh but yeah there's not been a cycle yet there's uh, not been eventful is there no, there's no. been well, something happening. Yeah, and they've been about a tenth of the distance for a way to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because like today was pretty uneventful, mm-hmm. like in terms of the actual cycle. Me and Calm were totally fine. No falls. We got no shouted spills. at. We're all good. <laughs> we got shouted at, yeah. We, we shouted at by a car. Yeah, we were yeah, riding we were... like side by side on the way out to Bankery. Which is absolutely fine to do. Yeah, and this yeah. car went past. It was like a woman in the front with a kid and it must have been like the dad or something in the back. And uh, the dad opened the, the passenger window on, on the left side and was like, ride in single file. And like <laughs> persisted to look through the back window as they drove past. So I just casually fucking flicked him off. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, please See, pull I, over. <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, because we're, we're, pre- we're quite courteous in terms of yeah. cars and stuff, because we know ourselves, we're like, we don't want to be those dickheads. Mm-hmm. But there was absolutely no one on the road. There was no cars behind him. We weren't holding mm-hmm. anyone up. Nope. No. So for him to give, uh, I was like, I don't really get your point here, man. Yeah. What's the male version of a Karen? Yeah. <laughs> I can't he is. Ken. Ken. <laughs> Just a wank. <laughs> Keith. I was going to say Keith. <laughs> <laughs> But no, so that's that's a wee that's a wee update for everyone how we're getting on. We're we're, we're five six weeks away. So the things are the one that will be coming out will be the one when we're away after this one. Is it? Is uh, no, 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 no. Two, two we've got, we've got, so got one coming out, and then I think the one after that will be roughly well, we're possibly away. when we're away. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. So yeah, things are ramping up. Things are starting to come together we've got the sponsors we've got the jerseys we've got our training we've i got... still need a bike <laughs> keith needs a new bike keith needs a better bike yeah a better bike. Yeah. yeah yeah so it's all moving in the in the right direction the wrong <laughs> <laughs> the, the stars the stars are somewhat aligning unfortunately unfortunately the thing <laughs> I'm looking. I am really. I'm looking, looking forward, forward to it. doing it. Yeah. 
it's and just the pain having that of achievement doing it. at the yeah. end. The pain of doing it's gonna be shit, but it'll all be worth it'll it. Be a good laugh. We'll money. have some. We'll the have money some we'll raise. Shit jokes. The money we've raised so far is unbelievable. Yeah, so. and mm-hmm. nuts. We didn't think we'd even get close to the first goal that we've put out. But no, the fact so that we smashed awesome. that. And... So if any anyone out there is kind enough and generous enough, the uh, the links in our bio is that right? Links in links our bio. bio yeah, links also it's bio, also yes. it's also like. The top post on Facebook. On Facebook, so. yeah, it's a pinned. And remember, if you do uh, donate, please put your full name in the Just Given page because the fantastic folk at Meat Monsters are giving out a free meal for four at the Smokehouse as well. Or so if it'll you be a nice don't amount. want to put it on there, put, send us. us a message. And say yeah. you've donated. Say you've donated. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Right, we'll move on to our guest because it's a, it's a good one and a little yeah, bit of a long one. So... This segment is sponsored by Ice Sports Caledonia, the exclusive importers of Fisher ice hockey equipment for the north of Scotland. Check them out on Facebook at Ice Sports Caledonia. Enjoy the guest. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Diving into the salad bowl with us today, we have scouting extraordinaire. Welcome to the show, Kevin Cruikshank. How are we doing? Good, thanks, Jordan. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, it's good to it's good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah, a long time, man. I know, I know. So, like I say, we've been a while. We we fairly we fairly go back. Probably it's probably talking about fifteen years now, when you were when you were uh, just a, a boy at Montrose. <laughs> <laughs> so, at Montrose, what was what was your kind of role? How did and how did it all kind of come about? So I, I joined Mintrose in 2006, but I'd been working previously for Elgin, Elgin City, from 2002. Um, my role at Elgin was everything. It was all, all inclusive. It was, yeah, it was all the football stuff and a match day for the first team on, on a Saturday and the youth team on a Sunday. It was, it was ordering the pies. It was selling the advertising. It was helping in the laundry sometimes. It was... Oh, it was everything. Uh, even had two players living with me at one point. Um, and I went to the course so I could teach. We had 16 full-time players and youth, a youth scheme, skill seekers. So I, I did the qualification so I could help do their education as well. So it was, yeah, it was 24-7 for not quite four years, but certainly for two, the last two years. And then that kind of came to an end, as I said, in 2006. So there, there was a failed takeover at the club. And that kind of nailed my colours pretty much to the, to the new, the people that were trying to buy the club, Kenny Black. And when the takeover failed, my position became untenable, really. <laughs> um, so I had to leave, you know. Um, but I wasn't the only one that left, the manager left, all the, the youth team players left. It was kind of, yeah. It was a good thing, I think, at the time, what we had at Elgin. And the reason I backed Kenny was because of his plan for the club. I thought he was really forward-thinking. Had to, you know, he wanted to invest in the club and take it forward. And and when that fell apart, you know, I, did, I didn't believe the club would go the same way as that Kenny hoped, you know. So, so obviously we yeah. all left and I had the opportunity then to go to Montrose. They, they'd seen what we'd done at Elgin and they'd spoken to Kenny. So I kind of went in first and had some meetings with the club to find out what their ambitions were. Um, so my role at Montrose wasn't certainly nowhere near what I was doing at Elgin. It was more... On the admin side initially, and then traveling with the first team again on a Saturday and the youth team on a Sunday. 
And then obviously Kenny Blackburn did get involved. David Robertson came to the club and some of the skill seekers we had at Elgin came to the club and um, we kind of went from there, you know. So and this is then Jordan came in, I think under 17 level, Jordan, wasn't it? Yeah, it was around about then, yeah. Just a long, long time ago. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> many moons ago. No, I, yeah, about six, 16, 17 was when I came. That was kind of the the Albion Montrose link at the time through oh, who was it again? Ryan Winton. Ryan Winton, that's the one. Yeah. So, so that was a link we had at Elgin. You know, our link was through Brian and Kenny to Albion because we signed, I think, about ten players from Albion Boys Club. Yeah. Straight away. So when we went to Montrose, it was, yeah, look, it was a pathway that worked for us. So. I think I think I possibly actually played a game for Elgin, like just before it kind of all switched. Oh, is that right? There was, yeah, I think there was still like the link where Albion. So I, I think I remember kind of being thrown into a game for Elgin. So just like, oh, we need someone. Right, <laughs> you're off to Dundee. Go and play, play a team, play the game, and then things had then changed, and then obviously Kenny and. Brian ended up with Montrose and Albion. But yeah, I, I enjoyed there. I well, I thoroughly enjoyed the way Kenny went about things, I must admit. Yeah, look, I think I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, some of the best times of my career, you know. The way I think we had a, we were a close-knit group, you know, all the players, all the staff, the coaches, you know, just it just worked really well, you know. I mean, if I look back now, though, I realise how unprofessional I was. My job. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Drinking the nights before games and then driving a mini bus the next day with a, like a team full of 17 year olds, you know. I'm so half for the night before, you know. So, I think, honestly, I cringe now, to be honest. I think it was great fun at the time, you know. Really was good fun. And we yes. did well, you know. We yeah. just come through these. No, from Elgin, Ian Vigers is still playing in the SPL. You know, he came, he made his Elgin debut at 15. Um, Gary Wood obviously went through to play for Montrose as well, played in the SPL, got to a Scottish mm-hmm. Cup final. You know, Stuart McKenzie doing really well with Cove, you know, you know, Stuart went to Cali first. And obviously, Darren Kelly went to from Elgin to Cali, and now DK is it. Where's DK now? Is it, for Mar- is it for Martin now? But he was, Martin, he was yeah. with Cove, he'd won. He's won a good few league titles with Cove as well. So a lot of players that came through from Elgin and Montrose have all certainly played Highland League and played some of a few of them obviously played in the the SPFL, SFL as well. Yeah, well, I, I even think I like round about my age, you've got the likes of Martin Boyle, yeah. who's obviously now playing with Hibs. You've got Aaron uh, Taylor Sinclair, who he was at Partick, then went down to Wigan, and I think now he's at Livingston. So there's the the talent that came through was pretty frightening when you think about it. I, I actually met Aaron in a game. I went down to well, I was living in where was I living at the time? I think either Stoke, I think it was at the time, and he was playing for Wigan in a friendly against Rochdale. So I went to the game <laughs> and hung about afterwards so I could speak to him. So it was good. No, it was good to see these boys kick on. You know, to be fair, yeah. Aaron Montrose in the youth team actually wasn't given a, a fair crack. I don't think because. I can't remember. There was another left back that played ahead of him, wasn't there? Yeah, I, it was. I think it was one of the Port Lathing guys that we maybe had. Yeah, then, I think got got ahead of him. And then when Jim Weir came in, he, I think it was Jim Weir, wasn't it? Saw the yeah the potential in him and kind of moved him up to the first team. So it was you know it was great to see that. And Martin Boyle, I think Martin wasn't there when I was there. I think he joined maybe a year after me. 
But I, yeah, I, I, remember a, I remember getting a Facebook message from Colin Mathers. Um, <laughs> hey, okay, you need to have a look at this boy Martin Boyle is coming through at Montrose. Uh, and that was, I mean, that was back in, yeah, two, it was 2008 I joined Blackburn, so it must have been about 8, 9 or something like that. Yeah, that yeah. That, that kind of moves us on quite nicely. So obviously you ended up going from Montrose to Blackburn, which is in itself is an incredible <laughs> leap. But I remember there's a kind of story with interview process. Go yeah, talk, talk, us, talk us through that. <laughs> it really up. I mean, I got an interview and then... Uh, so I was, going, I was going from Aberdeen. It was, I think it was about a seven-hour drive. And I gave myself 10 hours thinking that's plenty of time to get there, to compose myself, go through my notes and make sure I was ready because I had to do a presentation as part of the interview process. So I was heading down and it was about just in between Glasgow and the border and my cylinder had gasket blew in my car. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so I was at the side of the road. Um, yeah. Called Daddy or RDC, whatever it was, and um, they had to send a, a tow truck to get me. So I phoned obviously Blackburn and said, "Look, this is what's happened. I'm still in, should be in plenty of time, but I just want to let you know that this is what's happened." And he said, "Okay, look, if there's any holdups, just keep us up to date." So it took me an hour. It took an hour for the tow truck to get me, and then another hour to get to Carlisle, and then another hour to get the hire car. So with this time. I was touching, I mean, I was touching go. So I phoned, um, no, to be fair, I wasn't touching go. I wasn't going to make it, if I'm honest. So I phoned <laughs> shit myself to the, the head of HR and said, look, I'm really sorry. I've only just picked up my hire car. I'm in Carlisle. It'll take me, I don't know, two hours to get there, I think. So I'm going to miss the start of my interview. And they said, look, oh, you've had a terrible day. If you want to turn around and go back home, you can. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, oh. Fucking blowing this, you know, it's over. <laughs> and, um, I said, Look, you know, I'm, I'm almost here, two hours away. So if you never get five minutes of your time, I want to come down, you know, it's going to be worth my while just for the experience, you know. And I want to go to Ewood Park as well, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought, so I got there and I was stressed as hell, obviously. I was so, my hands were still a bit dirty because I was, I'd opened the bonnet up because I had no idea what was happening to the car. Cause I don't really know about cars, you know, I just knew it was a problem. And, it was afterwards they told me what it was so so i got i got there and they just said i got pulled in and said look take your tie off care relax so i went to the, the meeting room an hour and a half after my interview was supposed to start <laughs> it was about, my interview was at four this was at 5 30. so i sat down and the first thing it was the chief scout the head of hr and the assistant chief scout and the first thing the chief scout said to me was well mr cooks i'm really pissed off you're late <laughs> <laughs> Did you with oil on your face from the fucking engine of the car. So, so I thought I'd blown it. So I think I just genuinely relaxed. And I stood up and I did my presentation. And the presentation was on how you how I interpreted the role of a scouting coordinator and how I felt I could be an asset to the role. So that was it. That was the the, the um, presentation. So I did anyway, I did it. Then they asked me some questions afterwards, and then then I left, you know. Go on my car. No, I stayed overnight and got in my car and drove home the next day thinking, look, I'll never I'll never hear anything from them again. So obviously then a week later I got a phone call saying, look, we'd like to invite you down for a second interview. So I'm thinking, whoa, what the hell have I done to deserve this? <laughs> and then, but it would be fair, when they phoned me to tell me, the, the head of HR said, look, the fact that you made the effort to come down, you know, you battled against adversity or whatever, you, however you want to say, you know, it proved that you know you've got a bit of something about you. 
So when I went back for the second interview, I had obviously my hire car from Carlisle, so I thought, oh, it's good, I'll take it back down the road. So I asked my dad to come down with me. So I thought, well, if that breaks down, I don't want another problem. So the first thing is we went down the day before to avoid that. <laughs> so we got there, we, we went there, and then, yeah, got the night, stayed the night before. And, it, and the second day was a full interview. It was the, the morning was at the training ground. So the chief scout did a presentation and showed us about, and he was kind of watching. There was, sorry, there was four of us. We were down to the final four at that stage. So he was showing us about the place and how we were in, how we were kind of interacting and especially when you've got Premier League footballers walking about you know I'd not been in that environment and the first person I saw was two guy and then it was Morton Gans Pedersen and then Benny McCarthy and Rocky Santa Cruz and then introduced to Mark Hughes so it was pretty no I was like a bag of nerves I was like I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of Blackburn but Premier League fan so so you string you, you compose yourself and then I went through that and then the, the final afternoon interview was it was in the boardroom at Ewood Park with the chairman, with Mark Hughes, with the chief scout again and then the head of HR and then the chairman just fired questions at me. <laughs> Non-stop. So yeah, yeah, you answered the best you, you can and you keep your fingers crossed and hope for the best, you know. And I was lucky enough to, to get off with the job, so. Awesome. Good on you. So obviously with you getting the job at Blackburn Rovers, it's moving from a part-time club to getting thrown into the deep end of the Premier League. How was that experience for you? Yeah, I mean, when I first walked in on my first day, I was taken to my desk in my office, well, it was the, an office with the, with the scouts office, and it said, basically, it was a pile of DVDs on my desk and a pile of CVs on my desk. They come from faxes and emails. and said, like, okay, if your job, first job is to go through that. So it took me, <laughs> honestly, like a week to go through that. Because hmm. they were the all the DVDs to be catalogued and, and not the DVDs, some of them were blank, so you didn't even know what it was. You had to put them on and watch it for a little bit to figure out who it was. So that took forever to catalog all them. And then all the CVs was from agents, from players themselves, from clubs that were, had sent CVs of, or names of players they were releasing, etc. So I had to kind of catalog all that. And that was the first thing I asked was, can I see the transfer list? <laughs> no, we, we all hear about the transfer list and I'd never, I'd never seen it and there was like okay, there's no such thing as a transfer list it's just a word <laughs> that people use someone's placed on a transfer list they're not placed anywhere you know, it just means you can tell people they're available you know or their agents will market them you know so so I went through like being, I went through being a that. yeah it was it was, it was like well, a bit naive going into that you know and not really knowing you know i've been playing my football manager all my life so <laughs> I used to put in jordan lane in the transfer list and see how much money i could get from him so, so yeah like, to go into that and then it was exciting you know i was down there on my own i was living in the players accommodate their staff like an accommodation block for the youth team players so i stayed in there for the first two weeks and so i just worked till yeah whatever nine ten o'clock every night because i wanted to create a good impression and, and I want to get through that bloody list of DVDs <laughs> TV so I could get onto some exciting stuff you know so kind of once I once I piled through all that then my kind of first job is to organize the the, the Euros Euro 2012 uh, sorry Euro, no, Euro 2008 so Euros yeah Euros 2008 wasn't it yeah, yeah. yeah Euros 2008 yeah so that was yeah. my first job is to kind of coordinate all that so we had 10 we had 10 scouts I think four of them were going to be going out to the Euros, so it was all yeah, travel, hotels, ticketing, and making sure they were given the match squad, the, yeah, the, the the squad list, and kind of who the the players they needed to specifically watch when they were there, as well as kind of picking up everyone else. So that was kind of my first 
job in terms of what the role was going to be, you know. So a lot of it, as I said, we had 10 scouts, which I coordinated. So I did all their, all their travel, their match planning, their ticketing, their, yeah, everything. And then all the reports filtered back into me. So then I kind of put a report together that would go to the chief scout, that would go to the to the manager in terms of the games we've the games they've attended, the players we've watched, who stood out, etc. And I would sit down with him and pull pull the target list together. And then when it got to the stage of um, speaking to the manager, which I wasn't involved with in, the, in, the, in that stage, you know, um, I would like put a DVD together, so the strengths and weaknesses of the player and where we saw them fitting into the into the team, you know. So it was quite exciting to do that, you know. As I said, it was a bit football manager to me, you know, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And, I love a PowerPoint anyway, so <laughs> I just battered PowerPoint for all my all my packs that I did on the players we wanted to sign and the videos. And I mean, at that stage though, you know, the videos weren't so easy to get. You know, we didn't nowadays. There's loads of products you can have. Yeah. And um, but at that point, it wasn't. So you were relying on DVDs, you know, and having to cut DVDs, and it was really, really time-consuming. But yeah. I mean, it was worthwhile. And then we eventually got introduced to a system called Y Scout. Is quite well known now, but when it first came out, it was like an Xbox. <laughs> you plugged into your TV, and it was like a controller. You had to type the players' names in. We're <laughs> using the ABC buttons, and then you'd find some videos, and it was, so it was quite basic at the time. But if you, we didn't before that. If you want a, a video of a player from Spain or France, you no, know, we had a, a guy in Bulgaria we used. that used to had a satellite dish. You could get a massive satellite dish. You could get games from anywhere. So we'd burn them for us. <laughs> they would take a week for us to get a video from from Bulgaria to eventually clip. You know, so it was. Uh, Sounds like some dodgy pirate DVDs going <laughs> on was, here. It was. I mean, the chief scout, the chief scout at the time, Mike Rigg, is now the technical director of Fulham. Hmm. So he went. He left when he left um, Blackburn. He went to City with Mark Hughes, and then he'd been technical director at Fulham, QPR, the FA, and now he's at, he's at Burnley. So he was a really switched on. Guy, you know, I learned a lot from him during the time. I was only with him for three months because I said they left to go to City, but mm-hmm. in that short time, you know, he really, really learned a lot of them. Generally, on like a day-to-day basis, what does being a scout entail, other than obviously looking for players? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, look, it, it's it, it, it changes really. I mean, it's it's the same, but it changes, you know. So at the, at the moment where we can't go to so many games because of yeah. COVID and the restrictions, you know. My day is sitting watching Wirescout from the, from when I get up until when I finish, you know. Mm-hmm. Whether it's watching full games and then just taking notes on a few players or whether it's watching individual players. Um, so, for, for example, today, I watched both the playoff games yesterday from England, from League One and League Two. So okay. I did reports on players that, that could be of interest to in Nuremberg, you know, maybe some loan players from the Premier League, maybe some players that are at a contract. So I, I did that, you know, um, and then yeah, this afternoon I watched. Um, yeah, we're looking for a midfielder and number six. So watched three games of a, of a, of a potential number six, you know. So so that's kind of every day at the moment is that. Um, and then weekends are, are usually because I can still get to some games at weekends. So last weekend I went to Switzerland and Austria. Okay. So um, Saturday I went to St Gallen. So St Gallen and Switzerland three and a half hours away. So it's perfect. Mm-hmm. So I drove there, watched St Gallen against um, Lausanne in the top division, stayed over and then drove half an hour into Austria and watched the game in Austria on Sunday. Um, <laughs> Liefering, which is a really exciting team, which is Red Bull Salzburg's second team. So it's a youth team under 19s. And they're okay. top, top. It's full of young yeah. talent. They've paid, sometimes they've played three, four, five million for these lads. 
So it was really good to watch these kids coming through, you know. So I did that and then just drove back to Nuremberg Sunday night. So it was, uh, so yeah, but during the, when the, when the world is open, yeah, I look up a lot of times I'm spending on the road, you know, mm-hmm. um, driving to games. And this is one of the big differences I've noticed from living in an island, that is the UK, to living in mainland Europe, whereas I'm driving everywhere instead of flying yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Because I'm not far, you know, I'm three hours from Prague, I'm five hours from Vienna, four and a half hours from Zurich, seven hours from Amsterdam. <laughs> Where else I've driven? I've driven to well, Ljubljana and Slovenia, six hours. I've driven to Slovakia, seven hours. Italy, eight, nine hours. So, and I don't think anything about driving eight hours to watch a game, <laughs> but I would never go just to watch one game, you know. I drive maybe <laughs> eight hours to watch that and then pick up loads of games coming back. Yeah, yeah. But uh, whereas the UK, as I said, I was jumping on a plane all the time to fly to different places. So, yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I do miss the, the flying because an hour flight is better than a five hour drive. <laughs> <laughs> At least now I'm getting to see, yeah, I get to see a bit of the country, I guess. Yeah. So, see, see how you were saying there about like you are looking for a number six sort of role. How does how does that is that does that come from the manager? Is that something you have picked up on? How does that all work, or does it differ? Yeah, it's a bit of both, really. You know, the manager it, 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 in Germany is different than England. Okay. In England, the managers have a lot of say over the players that come in, whereas in Germany, it's more from the top side. So the sporting director and the scouting department, the manager really only gives us the positions and the profiles that he's looking for, you know, and then we try and match what he wants. But, mm-hmm. but as well as we'll always throw in like a curveball for him just in case that we've seen a player that maybe isn't really what he wants, but we believe in our department and with maybe with the sports director that, yeah, look, he's a player mm-hmm. that can help us. We yeah. will offer something different, you know, so it's, um, so yeah, look, we, we sit down and have meetings with him. We've had, to be fair, because of COVID, you know, our, our t- we've got to watch because the, our team's in testing all the time, you know, so, and I'm not yeah. in the COVID testing with the team. So mm-hmm. when we have meetings with the coaches, we've had two so far, you know, this season, um, one before January, and then, yeah, one looking towards the summer, you know, where he says, like, yeah, this is the positions, this is the profile. So we know how he wants to play, you know, he's changed how he wants to play during the season. Mm-hmm. So we kind of know what he wants. And so we just have to find players that, A, fit what he wants, mm-hmm. and B, obviously, fit what we can afford. In the division of the club, you know, so yeah, um, it's different. You know, the same as it's it's in England. You know, the clubs I've worked for in England, it's it's been different. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the manager will ask you for one one profile, and then we'll sign another profile, or you'll do all planning for one position, and then another player pops up that's available that you maybe don't need. But you think, okay, look, well, we do it. Let's do it. You know, <laughs> yeah. so you you got to be flexible. You sometimes have to be spontaneous, which means yeah. all the scouting, all the planning goes out the window sometimes. Which isn't the best way, you know. <laughs> but uh, look, I, I, for me, signings have always worked. When they've gone through the process, nine, well, maybe seventy-five percent of the signings will work, you know. When you, when you yeah. don't go through the process, this is when you find that the pro- it doesn't tend to work, you know. Yeah. So, like you're saying there, you've obviously you've been around the likes of England and stuff. You've been at Blackburn, Stoke, QPR. Is there is there anyone you've kind of scouted uh, over the years that almost like exceeded the expectations from when you kind of first saw them or first brought them in? I mean, I can tell you a player that I, I didn't sign or we didn't sign that is totally overachieved and what I thought he would, and that's Jamie Vardy. Because yeah. I saw Jamie Vardy playing for Halifax back in 2010, <laughs> scoring a load of goals, but he didn't look like a footballer. You know, he was so rough around the edges. Look, he, his work rate was excellent. 
you know, he did too much himself because he was probably too good, too good to that level, I guess. Yeah. He scored goals, and I watched him the next year when he got, he made his move to Fleetwood Town. So still non-league, I think Northern Premier League, I think it was, or the conference the highest. And it was the same, same Jamie Vardy. And we were in the we were in the Premier League at the time, you know. And he's 24 years old, so he's not a kid playing in the sixth yeah. year of English football. So maybe again, maybe a bit of big-headedness, snobbishness, saying, "Oh, <laughs> he's miles away. You know, he'll never be a he's never, yeah. he's never gonna be a Premier League player. He needs to go to League Two and, and work his way up." You know, so so we didn't take that chance, you know, because I mean we had strikers in the field and there were international players that were this, that, and the other. So we just didn't see why. Maybe we just didn't see the, the long-term vision for Jamie Vardy. You know, it was always yeah. about the managers were always thinking about the here and now yeah. rather than the future. Because you know what it's like in, in with managers. Yeah. The three or four games from getting a sack. You know, a lot of times. Yeah. Especially for the clubs I've worked for, you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> not worth it. At the highest level, you know, I've worked for teams that are, you know, that are at a good level, not Premier League level, but you know, it's teams that kind of don't hang about, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, to pull the trigger. To be fair, Stoke weren't like that. Stoke were pretty stable, you know, until until the last three years of Stoke, which was, you know, yeah, a bit insecure. But so yeah, I mean, Vardy would be the big one, I think. But in terms of players that are signed, that over exceeded, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say they have. To be honest, you know, I think mm-hmm. players that have had higher expectations than people have thought. So I mean, for example, when we signed Marco Arnautovic. It's Stoke, you know, we paid two million for him, and I'd been, been watching Marco since he was 17. So mm-hmm. I knew all about him. I knew he's got this showmanship on the pitch, you know, his chest out, he swaggers about the pitch, shirts are rolled up, sorry, shorts are rolled up so you can see how big his thighs are, you know. <laughs> you could tell he loved himself even at 17, but, but he backed that up with his ability. Yeah. But his problem was always off the pitch. So he, he's a bit of a, no, he wasn't a wild boy, but he. He, he enjoyed, he enjoyed himself. himself. You know? <laughs> exactly. Loose cannon. Yeah, his, his club, he worked Werder Bremen before he came to Stoke, you know, and he was, he'd been down, done for speeding. He'd been done for a few other things when he was at Inter Milan. He, I think he got reported for stealing Balotelli's car, I think. Spock <laughs> <laughs> sounds like an and, absolute legend. So, yeah, so there's always all these things. And people are, so you're doing your, you're doing your due, due diligence when you try to sign him and people say, yeah, don't touch him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a troublemaker. He's not focused on his football. When we, went, we, when we went and met him, we discussed what he'd done or what we knew he'd done, and then he kind of confessed a few other things that he'd done that we didn't know about. He was really open, and he just got married. He just had a kid. He was 23 now. So we're thinking, look, he's probably matured now. We always thought in Bremen, Bremen's, Bremen's it's not a big German city, but it's a one-town city, though. So mm-hmm. if he's out in his flashy car that reads his license plate was Arna, and he had like souped-up engines, I can't remember what it was, like a top car. If you, yeah. if YouTube, if you go on YouTube and there's videos of him revving his car and then the streets of revving. So everyone, <laughs> if he went somewhere, everyone knew, you know. So we thought, you bring him to Stoke and he lives in South Manchester with the rest of the players. Other Man United players and Man City players are there, so no one's going to care about Mark Ornayevich. Yeah. To be fair, we never had a problem with him. So we signed him. He did brilliantly for us, even though people told us not to, to avoid him. So, I mean, in terms of exceeding expectations. I don't think he did in terms of what he brought to us, but I think it, he probably did to people in terms of what he, what he said off the what he did off the pitch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. In terms of anything else we've signed, I don't think any, I think plenty of people have underachieved. Mm-hmm. We signed that didn't do as well as we expected, but it's certainly I don't think as many that have done better than expected, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
that leads quite nicely on then. What are some of the players that you've been most proud of that you've got into a club? Um, you know, yeah, Alkar Nagovic is, is a good one because we sold him for 20-odd million, you know, to West Ham. So, I mean, that was a success for the club, you know, 2 million to 20 million is a big profit. And yeah. this is yeah. kind of, this was the vision, I mean, the vision of most clubs, you know, these days is to try mm. and make money off the transfers, you know. I got excited about signing Jordan Shakiri because I've been watching Shakiri since he was 16, breaking through it at um, uh, Basel, you know. And then yeah. he, went to, he went to Bayern Munich and then we tried to sign him from Bayern. But he turned us down to go and loan to Inter Milan and it didn't work at Inter, so we had the chance to then bring him in. So that was an exciting one because Shaq was a real, you know, he's a, he's a showman, you know, on the pitch. Yeah. He's, and he was a great lad as well. Really, really nice guy, good character. You can have a laugh with him. And um, but he really he raised the level, you know, of our club. And similarly, uh, Boyan Kerkic. I'd watched mm-hmm. Boyan as a 17-year-old live in the Camp Nou when he was, yeah, as he said, when he just broke in and he smashed all Messi's records in the Barcelona. Yeah, at that, at that time, he looked he looked like he was going to be going on to big big things at Barcelona. Absolutely. Well, the problem was when you get when I got to know him because he was built as a new Messi, he could not leave his house. Mm. There was a paparazzi outside his house would follow him and his girlfriend to, to the restaurant, to the shops, to everywhere. You know, he just did not have a life. He just the pressure on him was so high. And I think he, I think he found it tough, you know, to handle yeah. that pressure. I mean, he still played, I think, close to 150 games in Barcelona's first team. <laughs> and then before going out on loan, he went on loan to Roma, to um to Ajax, to where else did he go? He went to another was it AC Milan? I think it was. And then and we, we brought him to Stoke, you know, for just under a million euros. <laughs> and it was we kept that one really quiet as well, which was good. It wasn't in the media. And it's, it's always hard to keep things in the media, but we kept it really quiet. And then someone from a hotel he was staying in the night before, but he leaked it to the media, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> that was an but, uh, you know, that was that was Ron Yellow, because he was a top footballer and a top, top guy. And he, him, Arnautovic, they really did what we were trying to do at Stoke, and that was change the kind of style from the Tony Pula style, which was which was effective. But, yeah. you know, the, the, when they brought Mark Hughes in, the idea was to bring more pace and more technical ability and to play a different, kind of more sexy style of football if you want. So, you know, Shakiri, you know, Shakiri was later, but Arnautovic, Boyan, were, they played big parts of that, you know. So it was, yeah. they were two ones, certainly I was really yeah, delighted to bring to clubs, you know, and, and playing a big part in it as well, you know, when you're going out to meet the players, when you're, you know, it's, it was really good to be involved in that process, you know, and kind of Blackburn, I was involved up to a point and then it was taken off me, which was mm-hmm. fine, you know, but it was nice then, obviously, when I was progressing my career to then to be involved in the necessity of it. Yeah. yeah. Just quickly before we move on to the next question, I was just saying there, you, you watch players kind of from like 16, 17 year olds, like how long do you actually watch some of these players before you kind of make a move? Yeah, look, it, it can change. It can change to be honest. Sometimes you'll watch a player twenty-five times and you never sign them, even though mm-hmm. you want to sign them. You'll yeah. never you can sign them for whatever reason. Maybe the coach doesn't fancy them, or the finances don't fit, or whatever. And sometimes, for example, we signed Nikola Kalinic, a player black, striker for Blackburn, for five million euros because he he'd flown to England to sign for Portsmouth. So he, I think we'd seen him live once mm-hmm. um, in certain Croatia. And then we had to make a decision. Look, he's driving, he's on the way to, to Portsmouth to sign what you want to do. So we were like scrambling about, we'll do it, what we'll do, what we'll do. And we did it. We, 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 we phoned the agent and said, yeah, turn the car around, drive to Blackburn. And he did. <laughs> he turned off the motorway, drove to, to Blackburn and we signed them for 5 million. 
<laughs> so I mean, so sometimes you can do as much preparation as possible, and then you don't sign a player, then you'll do little preparation. Yeah. And then you still sign a player. So you know, like so the Anatovich one, you know, I've been watching him as I said since he was 17. Mm-hmm. You know, it was you, you, you try to get in early because once they're established, and it becomes more difficult for teams like Blackburn to get more established and stoke to be fair at that initially. So we had to kind of look at players that were maybe below their true value or yeah. they were maybe for whatever reason they weren't playing or, or they had maybe issues off the pitch like Arnautovic, you know. Mm-hmm. So players that nobody else really wanted to touch or take a gamble on, you know, this is kind of what we'd done in Stoke especially. And I think okay. we'd done quite effectively yeah. initially, you know. So um, again, and a lot of that comes from the manager's back. You know, you really need to have a coach that backs you with that because ultimately they're the one that, ones that yeah. need to pick them. So it's having that need to have that relationship you know so Mark mm-hmm. used to say to me oh I love it when you get excited about a player because when you get excited about a player I get excited about a player so yeah. that, meant, that meant something to me you know because yeah it just showed you know, we had that relationship you know and it worked you know yeah and, mm-hmm. uh, it's nice nice that also he obviously valued your input your, your thought yeah yeah well there's yeah I mean it's difficult because sometimes yeah I know scouts that are not full-time that are in the field maybe the regional scouts or they're in another country that they do the reports and they put them on the system and but they're never in the training ground. So I know if I'm speaking to the guys, they, they don't feel valued a lot of times, you know. So yeah. I think it's important to, to give, especially those guys that are part-time, the feedback, you know, and, and make sure they know that their reports are getting read and their, and their opinions are meaningful. So yeah, yeah, I was lucky because I was in, in every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, the guy always had that face-to-face interaction with the manager. And this is the difference now in, in COVID Germany is that I'm working from home every day. We're in a home office. We have been mm-hmm. for seven months. So I was in the office today because I had to do some of my expenses. So we're the coach, the team's in quarantine at the moment because the last game of the season this weekend. So the DFB, German Federation, put every team in the Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2 in quarantine just to make sure the season got finished. Yeah. So I have not, I've not seen my coach, head coach, in six months. Jesus. You know, and I haven't spoken to him on the phone in that time. Mm-hmm. So it, it's different, you know, so he deals with the sports director and then we deal with the sports director, you know, so so it's been difficult in that respect to, to sit yeah. down over lunch and talk to the coach and say, like, who's training well, who's not training well? Mm-hmm. You know, did you watch this game last night or him, him asking me, where have you been this weekend? Who have you seen? So I think yeah. it, it's important, you know, I think and that's part of the job I've involved, so I enjoyed it. Is been the daily interaction around the training grounds with the coaches, with with the players, etc. You know, because you find yeah. out what's going on, and the players yeah. are a great source of information. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so they always tell you as well. Honestly, or dishonestly, I don't know. Sometimes, it's, <laughs> so it's a good player that I remember asking a midfield. I won't. I won't name names here because both players are currently player. But I remember asking one of our midfielders about another midfielder we were interested in. Like, nah, okay, if he's shite, he can't run. He can't run. <laughs> <laughs> this player's going to have an international career, so. <laughs> so I think yeah, you gotta you gotta pick your I guess pick who you ask opinions about sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> threatened over their position, you know. Covering yeah. your back a little. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So this this one's a little bit of a fun one, not really overly serious, but there was one one player in the history of football that you could have scouted. Who would it have been, and why? Oh. <sighs> I mean, everyone's going to love to say Messi and Ronaldo, aren't they? Yeah. Everyone wants to discover That's what Jordan Messi said. Ronaldo, like Jordan said. Jordan's like, you've got to say Messi. <laughs> no, I, I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I would love to. I mean, I've, I've watched 
early Highlands coming through. First, of, mm-hmm. first at, uh, in Molde in Norway, and then Salzburg, and then obviously in Dortmund, and wherever he's going to head into, he's going to head into the stratosphere. Yeah. The first time I saw him was, was just in the first team at Molde. I'd never seen him in like the youth team at Molde, and it was it was apparent straight away as soon as you saw him. This kid's got something a bit special about him. So I'd love to have seen him as like a nine-year-old and said, "Oh, I've seen this kid," <laughs> and said, "No, he's going to be the next big thing." I remember seeing this. I don't know if you know a player. There's a player at Man City called Adria Bernabe. So he's in City. He's 23, under 23s. He's played in the first team a little bit. Tiny little diminutive, little ball-playing midfielder. I saw him as a 12-year-old um, <laughs> playing for S- in um, Barcelona's youth team. And um, I wasn't at his game. I was at another game, but it was at the training ground. And I was there hours before because I was being nosy of Barcelona's training ground. So I'll get down there early and um, see what's happening and I watched that game and this little kid with like messy-ish hair just dribbling through everyone and he was like, oh, it's like a mini Messi. It's 12 years old and I said, I've never ever reported a 12-year-old normally because I've always been working for the first team. But I came back and he was on the system. So I just put a little note in the system. So, you know, I've just seen this kid, he's 12 years old. He looks to be a superstar. He's not He's not quite made the breakthrough yet. But no, it is exciting when you see little talents like that. You know, and you, and you wonder, you always, I always check, often check back to players that I maybe saw in yeah. 2009, 2010, to see how they progressed. And some have done really well. Some haven't yeah. done so well, you know. I mean, I, I signed a player at Stoke who I thought was going to be a world, could have the potential to be a worldie. boy called uh, Mohamed El Oareache. Uh, Moha was his nickname because his name was too long. <laughs> and he played, he won the UEFA Youth League with Barcelona. He played with, he played left wing. Adama Traore played right wing. And Munir El Haddadi of Seville was the striker. So this was the front three. I mean, he was more, my guy was more of a squad player that, but he played these games because he was yeah. the youngest and he was available in a free from Barcelona. He turned out the new contract. He was like, I'm describing, he was like Ryan Giggs. He was a left-footed left-winger, paced up around, get down the other side, get the ball in the box. So mm-hmm. we signed him in Stoke and um, look, it didn't work. first <laughs> <laughs> team and did okay, played against Porto. And that and three season friendlies came back and was stuck stuck in with the twenty threes, and he'd never been outside Barcelona really, so he'd been in this lovely La Mesia bubble. Came to Stoke, you're training. He was Spanish, Spanish Moroccan, never spoke a word of English. Was put into in with a family, and um, and he was a Muslim, so he had to eat halal, no halal food obviously. So yeah. they didn't know that for a start, and um, so oh. he, he wasn't really eating properly. He hated it. The weather was terrible. It's, it's Stoke. It's a rainy night in Stoke. Famous Tuesday nights, exactly. He hated it, you know. And it did not work. He ended up living with me for for three months because he was homesick. I, I would cook for him and, and do this. And I would, because I was his first point of contact. And I did everything I could to make it work for him. Mm-hmm. Everything. I could not do anymore. And he actually he came up to Hearts on loan for a while. Oh, geez, oh. Got, got a hat trick of assists against. Um, uh, Motherwell, two proper assists. The third one wasn't really an assist, but it was fast an assist. And then he, I mean, he had a loan at where else he had a loan? Shrewsbury Town, then he went on loan somewhere else. And great kid, a bit misunderstood. Did, did football, didn't enjoy football really, did it for other reasons, financial mm-hmm. reasons really, you know. Mm-hmm. Wasn't from the richest of families, so he had a lot of big family to support. Great. I still keep in touch with him. You know, he's not playing football. He's missed a year of football now because he doesn't be able to find the club. He's back in back in Spain. He's as I said, I keep on I keep in touch with him. 
been I've been to visit him a couple of times in Barcelona because he's a great loads of time for him. And I just I was really disappointed because I really wanted him to succeed. You know, when I first saw him at Barcelona, thinking, oh, this kid, this kid's got everything. Yeah. He, he just didn't have this. He didn't have the, the heart, the desire, mm-hmm. the fight to do it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hasn't really answered your question here. It's an example of something that hasn't quite, you know, done exceeded the expectations you know, being well below the expectations you had when you signed them. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, it's you, like for us at least outside looking in, you kind of go, "Oh, just go and pick up this player, just go and take that player." But like you say, with likes of. I'm not speaking a word of English and all this stuff. It's probably stuff even yourself has to kind of take into consideration when you're looking at players. Yeah, I mean, as much due diligence as you do, I mean, you can watch as many games as you want. You know, we always try and watch games home and away against top opposition, against low opposition. You want because you want to try and get how do they how do they react in certain situations? Do they toss it off when they play poor teams, or do they mm-hmm. just show up? You know. We always try and watch them in the warm-up, you know. Um, in Germany, we can go and watch training of other teams, which is quite good. You can do that, you know. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> but the off-the-pitch stuff is is as important, if not more important, you know. Mm-hmm. So I know some yep. clubs will follow players home after training, you know. <laughs> so are they heading to McDonald's after training, you know, to grab a cheeky burger? Or are they going out in the yeah. bars and night drinking? <laughs> you know, that so, was me last night after dinner. to the chippy after every training. Exactly. So, when we were driving back from intros after the game once and throwing a, throwing a case of beer in the back of the bus because we won, we'd won a game, you know. And I was like, right, stop. We did lose. all the beers out so no one else knew, you know. So, we drink the hardest when we lose. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so it's the off-the-pitch stuff, and this is when you have to rely on your contact. You know, I speak to try and speak to players, speak to coaches. You know, I follow loads of people on Instagram, on Twitter, you know, to try and find out the, are their photos on Instagram. Is it them having a good time, or is it football, or what is it? You know, so you try and, you try and get a, a picture. I always try and meet the player, even players we don't sign, always try, or maybe their targets, I always go and try and meet them and have a, and have a chat with them, you know, to see how, how engaging they are. Mm-hmm. Do they ask yeah. questions, you know? Do they, do they see us as a valid option? You know, I've met loads of players that we haven't signed. Some top, some top players we have not signed that are playing top level players. You know, mm-hmm. that we haven't signed, and it's good. You know, but these guys, if you, I always try and keep in touch with them. You know, if they move, best of luck in your move. You know, rather than winning the, the trophy, this, that, and another, because they're, they're all, they can always be useful as a source of information. You know, yeah, not, yeah. not all of them will come back to you. If, you, if I say, what's what such and such like as a as a person, as a trainer, etc. No, all players will come back to me. Something. Well, you're not used to me now. Now I'm playing at a higher level. I don't. They're going to be coming to Nuremberg or to Stoke or whatever. But a lot of them do come back to me. You know, and it's invaluable information. But again, as much as you information as you can prepare, once until you're in your building, there's no guarantees. You know. Yeah. No guarantees. You just have to do as much as you can off the pitch to support them, so they only have to focus on their football. You know. Yeah. 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 You and a lot, of time, a lot of the time is keeping their wives happy and their girlfriends happy. You know? <laughs> because the last thing you want is the players to be going home to someone nagging at them, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's important that the wives are happy and the girlfriends. And so we try, we, most clubs have a player liaison that can, can help with that with jobs or with schools or with houses and, and anything yeah. else to, to make their life a bit easier. In, in Germany, we call it team managers, is, is that role, you know? So, yeah. Um, and also it- help with languages as well. I suppose when you're like, saying that, if any of us like day-to-day working guys 
end up just going, right, you're away to such and such to go and work and you have to take your family with you. They'd be like, what do you think you're doing? Why are we going over? Oh, no, my missus would love it. She fucking doesn't like staying with me anyway. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Like, yeah, just, yeah, it's a big change. Out, out, of, out, of, out of nowhere, you're saying, right, we're moving to a country that we don't know the language and right. don't know how schooling is and don't know Where's how this is. The next thing, it's, yeah. One of the things that the, the players are, are away all day, not all day, but a long time during the day, and the weekends are away. Usually yeah. they would travel the night before a game, you know. So, yeah. so there might be, it might be a late on Saturday night. So they might be on sort of Friday morning and not come back till Saturday night, you know. So and if they're sitting at home on their own, not really knowing anyone, you know, it must be difficult, especially like I said in the COVID times. Imagine if you're a young player, it's come to I mean, I, I watched an interview with Timo Werner the other day, and he said it's been difficult for him because his girlfriend's been at home all the time and his girlfriend she hasn't been able to meet any other girlfriends of the players or the wives. She's yeah. been stuck at home, and the only face she's seen every day is Timo's. You know, <laughs> getting so, sick of it. So, this is that. I'm not sure if this is the, the first time they, they lived together or not. Timo was one of the ones we discussed coming to Stoke. Back, he was available from Stuttgart ten years ago, so I met mm-hmm. him. I met him a couple of times, and so I think Chelsea was the first time he moved in with his girlfriend. I think I could be wrong with that, but I think it was. So it's like it's a big thing. They've just been thrown in together. They're only seeing each other every single day. Yeah. She's seen no one else. At least Timo's getting to see the rest of his Chelsea teammates. You know? <laughs> yes. it, it, it can't be easy. He's done no bad things considered. Yeah, I, I didn't. When I came to Germany, you know, I'd never spoke German in my life. I did a bit of French at school. Some will say I still don't speak German. So. <laughs> um, but I'm lucky because Nuremberg is the headquarters of, or just aside is headquarters of Puma and Adidas. So they're okay. both based just outside Nuremberg. So it's quite a an English-speaking city in Nuremberg because of all the Americans and all the people that work for those two big companies. So I'm quite lucky that when you go anywhere, everyone speaks English. So I'm quite, if I went to maybe a small team in Germany or like a small city in Germany, then maybe it might not be so easy for me to, to get by. But I'm quite <laughs> lucky because I've probably been a little bit lazy with my German. <laughs> uh, that's obviously quite a big move then from obviously England to Germany with you being with Nuremberg. How was that transition from club to well not even club to country to country yeah no it's been good if, if i'm honest you know I've, i got approached by the so the structure in germany is there's it's not it's, it's different to england there's no there's no ownership as such it's a 50 plus one rule which everyone kind of knows it's, so it's fan it's more fan owned than business owned yeah and um, so our main we don't have a chairman we've got a sports director and he gets appointed by um, a supervising board and the supervising board is basically people that are appointed by the fans so it's a fan board and they, they can't hire, the only people they can hire and fire is the, the sports boss sports director and the, and the business director so the, the company is split into your head of sport and your head of business you know so obviously my boss is the head of sport mm-hmm. so in the summer of 2019 or just, just sorry it was the end of 2018-19 season they appointed a new sports boss, so it was, and I knew him from yeah the circuit really from going to games, and we'd always got on and been out for beers after games and talked about football and you know we shared opinions and we all kind of had the right ideas, you know. Or, that's right, sorry, the right ideas. Who begins the same ideas? It's not the right ideas. <laughs> Can't be the right ideas because he lost his job at the end of the season. So. <laughs> we, we shared similar ideas, so, so he was told to to, to build a team because Nuremberg didn't really have a scouting department. So he kind of knew that I liked the idea of working 
in a new country, you know. Mm-hmm. So he asked if I'd like to come over. So, so yeah, we, I did. Yeah, agreed the deal and I got a three-year contract, which was nice because in England it's just standard employment contracts with a three-month notice period. You know, <laughs> so it was nice to have a bit of stability. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So when I first came over, I came over. I started the week. Um. I got relegated from the Bundesliga. Oh. Um. So it was fine, you know, because it gave me. A month to, I'd obviously watched some games before I came over, just so I had an idea of the team. I had a month then to watch the last few, four kind of weeks of the Bundesliga, just kind of get a better idea of the team and meet the, and we didn't have a coach at that point. Or the coach, sorry, we did have a coach, but he was going to be leaving in the summer. Um, so, yeah, it was a chance to kind of get to know the, the team and, the, and the, the staff and that. And then, yeah, look, it was, it was interesting. The city, I'd been to Nuremberg before scouting but uh never really explored the city because my job is a lot of times it's airports hotels train stations and never really time to explore cities so the city itself is beautiful you know it's a very historic city it's got a walled city center it's like medieval city so i live inside the walls i can see the castles beautiful (laughs) but it's also got a big nazi past very big nazi past so it was the home of hitler's rallies Okay. All right. So next to our stadium, if you go on Google Maps after us, next to our our training ground is the the rally. Sorry, our stadium is the rally fields, and this is where okay. Hitler used to have. I think it was like three, four hundred thousand people would come from all over Germany to have these mass rallies. So there's all these Jesus. videos on online and YouTube, which I Google. They're amazing to see how they like the Nazi, the Nazi past. You know, yeah. And there's a yeah. big, there's a big Nazi or it's not a Nazi museum. It's a documents museum. It tells you a bit about the the past and there's a, there's a lot of damage in the city and occasionally they're, they're doing renovations to this different parts of the city. They keep digging up bombs. So it's got it's got a big history, Nuremberg. So it, it has a lot of tourists as well, which is which is quite good. So you get you get to meet people from yeah, from the UK and from other people, you know. So mm. look the city itself is great. The club's good, it's a it's a Bundesliga. They see themselves as a Bundesliga level club. They're, they're one of the the most, most traditional clubs in Germany. They've won loads of titles back in the day. Um, I think the last title, the last time they won was the German Cup back in 2008, um, which got them into the Europa League or the UEFA Cup, whatever it was called there. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but the club's been kind of been a yo-yo club for the last, yeah, God knows how many years. But yeah, the training ground's top. The stadium's 50,000. Um, so we don't get 50,000 second Bundesliga. I think we average about 30,000. But then we'll sell out for the for the derby game against Gregor Firth for Hamburg for ha- for the for the big teams you know in Dusseldorf for example yeah, yeah. in the Bundesliga again I think the average about forty thousand and, and sell out sell out for the big games you know so in terms of the club size it's I would say well certainly stadium size it's the biggest club I've worked for never worked for I think the biggest stadium is would be I guess yeah Blackburn or Stoke which is about thirty six thousand or something so in terms yeah. of stadium size yeah Nuremberg <laughs> Is big, you know, but it's the same. I would say historically, it would be at the same level as the, the Stokes and the Blackburns who had the big history in the past, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's been, it's been a good experience, you know. As I said, the, the language is is not so easy. I didn't speak German. I don't still don't speak German. <laughs> I, I, I can understand a bit more, you know. Um, so I can get I can get by. But yeah, look, last season all the meetings were done in English, which was great for me, and because it was the boss that took me there. As I said, he lost his job in the summer. And under this boss, he does all the meetings in German. <laughs> I am to be fair, when, it's, when we talk about football, I understand. Because I understand when I want to talk about 
like the profiles of players. I mean, the coach does his presentations in German. I can understand schnell means quick and, and <laughs> means strong and all these things. So yeah, yeah, you look up. I've picked up enough football words to understand. You know, mm-hmm. I do all my reports are in English. <laughs> you know, and everyone else is reported in German. <laughs> yeah. So, Kev, you've been fortunate enough to to go over like the whole world doing your job. What's one stadium that you always look forward to to getting to go to? This is an easy one for me. La Bombonera, home of Boca Juniors. That must Unbelievable. be insane. Wild. That insane. Uh, fan base and stuff like that. Must be I've been three or four times, and it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. and they're only allowed home fans in Argentina because there's been too many murders and deaths so they don't, allow, they don't allow away fans but even okay. then when, you, when you're at the stadiums I remember we were, last time I went in there there was all these supporters bus arrived and they were like old American school buses and they're rammed there's people on the roofs people <laughs> oh, yeah. sitting in the windows with their legs in the bus but hanging out the windows that they're, they're that packed the doors to get in the bus are open and people are hanging on for dear life and then the stadiums like there's no health and safety. People are like <laughs> sitting on the, the wall on the top of the roof where literally they could just fall off the back. It's just it's unbelievable. But the stadium's amazing. It's difficult to scout if I'm honest. Because yeah. you're too busy enjoying the atmosphere. So too I always like take, take my notepad and take brief notes. But yeah, I kind of always have to go back and watch the game again on video to make sure you're a proper report. But yeah, look, I've been, I've been three or four times. I've done the tour as well. It's just phenomenal stadium, you know. I'm I was lucky enough to go to the super classical ones. Yeah. Boca River, or there's River Boca, it was in the other stadium, Monumental. And, but uh, yeah, look, Boca Stadium is by far, for me, the best atmosphere I've ever been to in my life. Yeah. I'm awesome. sure it's their training ground. I've seen videos of um, like the fans like circled around it, just like letting off flares in the middle of training. And like you can't even see the flares because it's just like green flares going off, just fucking wild. The, fan, the, the fans here in Germany are, are, are mental. No, the fans have got a big a big input in this. As I said, they, they appoint the people to the supervising boards. Mm-hmm. We've got our, our, our fan officer has got his own office in Nuremberg. There's four of them in the fan department. <laughs> the, the ultra, our ultras, we, we meet with them a couple of times a year. And so when I first started, I got invited to the ultra. The ultras had an end of season party the day we got relegated. <laughs> which I got invited. And I'm thinking, oh, I'll just be a little social club, small gathering. Yeah. No, it was a warehouse the size of an Asda. <laughs> a DJ with bars all the way around it. They had a fan museum inside this place. And it was mental. And, I'm, and they're all just giving you free beer all that. Fucking you know, yes. Have a beer, have a beer. And I, and I was thinking, Michael, we've just been relegated. This is unbelievable. <laughs> this is what it's like. Fantastic. God, these two relegations, a stoke and all that, isn't it? It's not fun, relegation, you know. And I, I said to one of the guys after I had quite a few better beers, I love it here. This is unbelievable. I'm not fucking expected to be like this next season. Because I'm fresh and new to get promoted. And obviously, uh, last season was an absolute disaster. So I, I didn't get invited to the fan party then. <laughs> but to be fair, luckily, we were in quarantine. Just thinking about we were in quarantine. So there was no fan party. But look, if the fans aren't happy, they'll let you know. There's oh, banners yeah. at the training ground. Earlier this season, we had four gravestones put placed at the front of our entrance to our training room. Like the name of our sports boss, our coach, and all that. Yeah, look at some. The fans are really, they're they're great. Really invested. I think there's a lot of English, or English, British people come to Germany over for weekends to watch football. And I thoroughly Mm. recommend it because people arrive in two, three hours before and they're drinking outside. And it is fun. There's, There's never, never any trouble, you know. Um, it's a, if you could come over, people can come over for a weekend and pick up one game or two games 
in Dusseldorf or Cologne or, or Frankfurt or Berlin or wherever, you guys will have a great, great time because it's proper. I remember going to Hamburg for a stagger and we didn't actually end up getting to the St. Pauli game, but it was on while we were there. And it just, even from outside, it was just mental. And it was, I think it was like a nothing, absolutely nothing game happening, but the fans were just the whole time going absolutely insane. Hmm. Did you go to the Ripper band? No. No. <laughs> you say that no we, did. we did. We did. <laughs> uh, so we we stayed. We stayed on the Reaper van. Oh, did you? So we were yeah. So we were like two seconds from the stadium, pretty much. Well, in the stadium, there's an executive box that is owned by one of the madams from the brothels. Oh, <laughs> and she's got two poles. If I remember, there's two poles in there, and they bring in some of the girls will come in on a match day. And, in, in work, I guess. All right, Callum, your stagger sorted for next year. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting the best man of that stagger. <laughs> you can hook that up. You can have that title, mate. <laughs> Just for all your your wives and your future wives. No, there is no brothels in Germany. It's all nice, quiet bars. You've been in the scene now for quite a while, Ken. Is do you find football's evolved a lot from how it was when you started in the game? I think it has in terms of my role and my department. You know, I think as I said, starting you know, when I first started, it was it was DVDs and, and, and faxes and emails over again, and now it's um, like I can get any game in the world at the touch of a button. You know, mm-hmm. and quickly, you know. If a game's on live, you know, I'll probably have it on my system within a couple of hours, you know, and then maybe the next day the game will be fully clipped so I can watch individual players' clips from that game, you know, from anywhere in the world. So in terms of that's great, you know, data's become a big thing these days. Um, there's much more data available from, you know, say, the platform we use, Wisecout, which is our video platform. They have data that we can use, but there's other companies that specialize specifically in data and they break it right down into... You know, players that will fit your system, okay. and then, or, or similar players due to due to the data. So I mean, we take that in into consideration as well. You know, when we're scouting players, now, not as a certainly not as a deciding factor, factor, but as a support. You know, mm-hmm. and a lot of times the data can can flag up um, inconsistencies or consistencies. Because maybe I've been to see a player who's at their best game or their worst game. When you see the data, you'll maybe see, okay, look, yeah, look. He was top because he had ten shots, but every other game he's had one shot. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. I'm using a very broad data term there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a lot more in depth than that, but you know, you can you can see patterns emerging. You can you can you can delve as deep as you want. You know, as I said, if we're looking for a for a number six, and the coach is telling us you know what a really strong aggressive one, then you then you pick the the, the data that's important to that. You know, duels and and um, headers and maybe interceptions and blocks or if he wants someone's going to break up the play you know, or if, he, if he's looking for more of a playmaker then it's about you know pass progressive passing and range of passing etc you know so it's it, it, it in terms of why i do football it's definitely changed you know mm-hmm. i think um and, and they, i mean people used to say the old scouts used to write the reports on the back of a cigarette packet you know <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a lot more yeah serious than that i suppose yeah. whatever whether it's how more successful i don't know because all these players that have been signed in the back of a cereal, a cigarette packet have done well, you know, for a <laughs> yeah, In terms of football, I think because it, it's different from league to league, you know. Mm-hmm. I think I underestimated the second Bundesliga, even though I'd watched a lot of it. 
it's much more ment about mentality than it is about technicality. You know, okay. I think when I first came here with all the ideas of people that I wanted to bring to Nuremberg, maybe if I wanted to kind of recreate a little bit what we done at Stoke initially, you know, mm -hmm. the, the players we had, the Spanish kind of Spanish type players, you know, mm -hmm. you know we, we brought a couple, we brought one player in from Portugal and it just didn't work, you know, he just, he just didn't have the, the mental toughness to cope with the division, you know. So if you look at our recruitment so far this season, we've signed four players already for the new season. And for two centre-backs, we've signed a real experienced defenders that have played in Bundesliga 2, Bundesliga 1. You know, so it's players that have been about to know the league. They know what it takes to, to win games at this level, you know. So mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, it's different than kind of what I expected it to be. But yeah, yeah look at the football. Of course, look, the Premier League's evolved over the years. You know, we know that. Um, and I think, you know, so there's much football is more accessible to everyone. Anyone can be a scout now because there's so much of it available on TV. So much yeah. of it, you know, all, all day. If you look look at the fixtures over the weekend in Sky, in BT, mm -hmm. in three sports, there's games from everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, for me, for the, for the budding scout, you know, I think if you people could watch games and get opinions and build their own database, which is when I started, we didn't have that, you know. Mm -hmm. We did not have that. So my... My knowledge was purely by like, going to gate, or more from Blackburn, where was it? Elgin. I wasn't scouting players <laughs> for Elgin City on TV because you know, <laughs> you get these players. You know. <laughs> so it was, uh, it's definitely changed my respect. It's funny because I, I remember when I came down to Blackburn and saw you at Blackburn and you took me, I think we just went for some food. <laughs> I remember a agent it must have been an agent just come up to you and all he did was show you a picture of a guy playing football and went you want to have a look at this guy and i was like i stood there going so how easy it is i was <laughs> <laughs> so i was like he's just like, showed you a picture and went here's a guy and he said something like oh he's got to be the next ronaldo or something like that or next mess i'm like i how it was just saying obviously at the time nowadays you'd just be like well what's his name and i'll go and look him up Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's still like that. Line. LinkedIn is like that. The amount of videos <laughs> like it sent to me on LinkedIn, not even that, hi, I'm such and such in this agency in this country. What are, you, no, what, what are you looking for this summer? It's just like a video. <laughs> and I don't even respond to those ones anymore. And I don't yeah. even respond. Or you'll just get someone, an agent, will, they'll say, hello, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know how busy people are? You no, know, I'm watching games and get phone calls, emails. We're so busy. You know, I think people just need to be a bit more... Serious and professional. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm going to try that approach. I'd love to hear a player from Iraq and I'll say, look, I'm really sorry, but we won't look at players from outside Europe, but have a look at them anyway. <laughs> we'll have time to have a look at them anyway. <clears throat> and the next player they send is from Algeria. I've already told you, we will only look at European-based players. Yeah, yeah, but this is a great player. Leon wants him. Well, good luck to Leon then. <laughs> Leon can go and sign him. It's just, yeah. Look, there is still a lot of the bullshit. Definitely, yeah. but uh, you know, but agents are agents are a great source of information. You know, and you build on one relationships with ones you can trust as well. So you, you know, you can pick up the phone and say, "Look, what do you know about this player mm -hmm. in your country?" You know, for example, it's a Hungarian player. You could phone a Hungarian agent, and if you trust them, you know they'll give you an honest opinion. You're not trying to jump in in the deal, or maybe they have a player that plays at the same team. You could say, "Oh, can you ask your player what this guy's like?" But obviously, there's some you some you learn who you trust, who you can trust, and who you can't. Yeah. Because yeah, some yeah. will go, some will go straight to the press with the information because yeah. they can line their own pockets. Yeah. Or, or it, it maybe it helps them to market their player by linking them with your club. You know. So, as I said, I, I'm 
I came off LinkedIn a long time ago and I've only came back on it in the last year because, yeah, look, it's getting, it's a good, it's good, but it's a pain in the backside. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I think, Jordan, when you trained, you, you must have trained McGrath, Hanley and Phil Jones, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, they were there when I was there. I was thinking, because it was They're, under 18, you trained with, wasn't it? So. Yeah, and I remember when I was there, I remember you telling me about Phil Jones because obviously I was only there a week we'd done a little bit of training there wasn't you don't you can get a feel for some of them but like there's only so much you're you're getting within that week yeah. but I remember you telling me specifically you were like have a look at Phil Jones because he's going to be going somewhere and then sure enough within the next I think it was about two years he was first team with Blackburn and then pretty much was in Manchester I was like Jesus I was only training with him <laughs> three years ago now 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 I'm at Banks of Davies. How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> you're, you're the coach that took the session. He's now the manager of Salford. Oh, is he? Gary Boyer, yeah. Oh, jeez, oh. Oh, there we go. I've, I've went that way. <laughs> Wasn't it meant to be, Jordan? <laughs> Wasn't meant to be. I, I thought I'd done all right that week. Yeah, remember you were there with Keelan Godwell, I think it was, the Irish kid. Yeah. Yeah, he never he didn't sign either. He ended he spent his whole career, I think, playing in Ireland. So. That doesn't make me feel so bad then. <laughs> <laughs> it was good looking. I was happy to bring someone down. I thought you deserved a chance. And was I admit, the level was huge, no huge difference, was there? No, I, I, in fairness, I thought I'd done all right, but the experience in itself was, was awesome. Like I wouldn't have gotten that if it wasn't for yourself, but just in general, just being able to be in amongst that atmosphere was, mm-hmm. it's just cool now even just speak about it. Like, I, although I'd never done anything, like, still great to just say, look, I went glad to even how you done it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just, uh, just say, Mark Hughes must have seen something in me to invite me. I was playing for Montrose under 19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, no, I think it was Paul Ince that was there at the time. Oh, it was NC there, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, it must have been, yeah, because it was, I started in, yeah, it was 2008-9, yeah, so yeah, it was Collins. Collins was there yeah. for Christmas, and then Sam, Big Sam took over. Yeah, I was kind of gutted I wasn't there at that point. For Big Sam? Yeah, that would have been cool. He's amazing. Best manager I, I ever worked for. I didn't so. see Collins. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see him then. <laughs> no, he would have been on the golf course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so... For yourself, Kev, what what does the kind of future hold? Are you looking to kind of stay in Germany a bit longer? And kind of, is there any specific ambitions you want to achieve? Yeah, look, it's difficult to plan in football because things change, you know, very quickly. So I've got one year left on my contract here. Um, Do I think I'll stay after the end of my contract? Probably not. The people in Nuremberg know that. So I'm not saying <laughs> I won't be getting called in a meeting tomorrow. Um, so yeah, look, probably not. I, I want to experience working overseas, you know, just to see if there was a difference. And just, I always thought it was, I thought it was good, good in my CV as well. You know, taking myself out of my comfort zone, coming mm-hmm. to a new country. It's been so slow. It's been through a pandemic. So it's not been <laughs> probably to the, to the level I wanted it to be, you know. Yeah. And it's been difficult. As I said, I'm on my third sports director and third head coach in two years. Mm-hmm. so yeah. it's 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 certainly been yeah a bit up and down in that respect but i've enjoyed it for sure it's been a great opportunity so yeah look where i go next i don't know could it be back to england scotland america look at, i'm open you know for the right opportunity but look it has to it has to be the right opportunity i've had a couple of yeah. 
chances to leave since I've been in Nuremberg in the last six months. And it's just, it's not been, it's not been the right thing for me, you know. It's just either it's, it's just, oh, I want a club that's ambitious, you know. I want a club where I feel I can make it, like have a, an impact, I guess, mm-hmm. and then progress my career. So even if it means taking a, a step back and roll or take a step, step back and level, to make it and make a step forward later yeah. on. Like, I'm not. I've never been money motivated, so that's not my my main thing. Obviously, it's important. I'm not gonna. I'm not prepared to do a huge <laughs> take But you know, when I moved from from QPR to Stoke, I took a I took a, a decent enough pay cut, you know, because it was a bigger role. Mm-hmm. It was a chance to have more of a say, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, so like, who knows? Could be a chief scout. Could be director of football. It might just be a scout. I mean, I, I genuinely don't know. Genuinely, don't know. Awesome. I'm open. Awesome. Should I put my phone number scrolling across the bottom now? <laughs> 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 uh, anyway, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. It's been good catching up as well. But we we wish you kind of all the best for the well, the last game of the season, and then mm-hmm. for the the next the year in yeah. Germany. Yeah. yeah. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks for inviting me on. It's been, been a pleasure. I've been nice to hear the Aberdeen accent again. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Cheers, Cheers, Kev. Cheers, Kev. Cheers, Cheers, Kev. Cheers, Cheers, Big thanks to Kev for coming on the show. I've known Kev now for, well, longer than I'd like to admit. What's that been, like, 13-odd years, 14 years? Old as fuck. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost as old as you. Get, <laughs> no, no, no. I'd almost be as old as you. <laughs> but no, Kev was an awesome guest to have on. Great guy. He was so. The thing I did like the most was he was so open and honest, mm-hmm. like yeah. about the game, about just stuff that can go on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Like when he's obviously speaking, he's speaking about um, oh, who was it that went to Stoke? Oh, that's going to really annoy me. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Can you remember? I don't know. Uh, the, the, Arnaut- the Arnautovic. No, Arnautovic. No. no. Where he was speaking about, like, no, he had troubled times oh, like, yeah. in the team and stuff, mm-hmm. and like, and they took the chance. But he didn't need to tell us that stuff. So oh, I that was yeah. the boy that was really open about when they were transferring him through. Yeah, yeah. and he'd, yeah. he'd just had a newborn and all this stuff, and he'd spoke about him coming over. But yeah, yeah. he also spoke about... It was like, the Vardy chat the... that I found really interesting as well. Yeah. And it was just like everyone was just like writing off Jamie Vardy. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. yeah. <laughs> but it was more it was more when he spoke about the human side of things mm-hmm. that I re- I really enjoyed. Because yeah. obviously you, you almost forget you, you'd see footballers come and go into these teams left, right, and center constantly every winter and summer. And you almost forget that they've got to actually deal with Moving, you know, themselves, moving, moving themselves, moving families, language barriers. I can't imagine that being easy. Like, no, no. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine myself going to work in Spain. I just yeah, couldn't imagine, yeah. like waking up one day and going to Jade Hall and you move Penelope and you. Over yeah, and going Spain. right. We're we're moving to Spain. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean we're moving to Spain? Yeah, they've they've sold me. They've sold me. They've sold my <laughs> team in Spain. We're moving to Spain. And that's it. I don't know the language. Everyone speaks Spanish. Mm-hmm. Just got to move there. We've got no house. We've got no nothing. Yeah. It was that's the story about going. the um, the boy that moved over. Uh, I can't remember the boys. I can't remember what team it was, but he was, was losing so much weight because he wasn't eating. And Kev took him in and started cooking food for him that he would eat <laughs> at his home country and everything. It's like, don't hear about that sort of stuff at the face no. of football. Mm-hmm. I think as well, no. for me, 
um, like when we spoke to Kev kind of after the interview, I think it was just brilliant. Like obviously I played football when I was younger and, and all that sort of stuff. It's not something I really keep up with nowadays. Um, I just that's, thought, your, that's yourself, not Kev. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just think for having someone on like that to kind of give the perspective to people that aren't involved in the sport, I thought it was fantastic. Like say it gives a, a massive insight into what goes on behind the scenes and even like just during the day-to-day yeah. stuff as well. It's quite interesting. So I found it, yeah. found it really, really, really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Let's say I've known Kev for a good wee while and it was awesome to just catch up mm-hmm. and see, yeah, really see guy. and also see see how well he's doing. He's done well for himself from coming from Elgin. from Elgin and Montrose to now he's in the German League too and scouted for Premier League. Fair play to him. He's done awesome. Yeah, done absolutely awesome. So anyway, you boys know what time it is. Salad dressing. As usual with our game of the week, we have our virgin. It's me. <laughs> uh, this, <laughs> it's my sale. Uh, this week I'm going to go for Last of Us Part Two. Um, it's made by Naughty Dog. It's came out seven years after Last of Us Part One. It's a third person action adventure game. I'm going to get this one right. Post apocalyptic universe. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I've done Last of Us Part One with the very first episode of the podcast. So, it's a follow on from that game. Storytelling's amazing. The cinema work in it is amazing. The character is fantastic. Uh, I'm not going to say anything because there's a really big story twist in 10 minutes into the story. So, I'm not going to say anything on the story. But I've heard so many good things about Last of Us and Last of Us Part Two, and I've just never gotten the chance to. I would I would say player. it's the series wise it's the best series game I've ever played. Oof. It's fantastic. Oof, that's if I could pick if I could pick praise. a series to to play for the rest of my life it would be those two games. Well there's three games but there's a, one of them's like a DLC type game but fantastic game. If you haven't played it go and play it. If you haven't played it in a long time go play it again. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that that was a good uh run down of that game junior you know? i'm impressed with that there one that go. was a good one uh, enjoyed that sleeve. one <laughs> right so we'll move on we've got keith with the movie series of the week what have you got for us i've got um the one that's just come out army of the dead uh it's by zach schneider so the guy that's done the justice league movies man of steel all, all sorts so it's it's sort of very similar in its type of film uh it's basically zombies in las vegas that's the um, honest <laughs> and, and like not 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 just normal zombies like super zombies like ones that can like think and do stuff uh and it's, it's like, like yeah. it's like based around those like basically without trying to give too much away there's a load of money still in a big safe in a casino in las vegas and dave bautista gets his Put, many little oh, band of zombie killers Jesus. together to go no wait, but dave bautista is actually fucking he's, he's really good in it yeah he's really good in it uh, and it's yeah it's, it's a good watch like it's really good i will say if you are going to watch it watch it quite closely because there's a lot of stuff that's leading to the spin-offs to it yeah so yeah keep an eye out for like little sneaky easter egg plot holes in it what do you mean like spin-offs what so they're making, like a, they're making a they're making a series they're making okay. a prequel to it and they're making an animated uh sequel to it as well yeah. Ooh. Mm. Because did Zack Snyder not do Arm uh, Day of the Dead as well, or uh, Dawn, Shot, of uh, Dead? Dawn of the Dead? Dawn back of the Dead in two thousand and four or some shit like that. Like yeah, that. yeah. So, yeah. Mm. He's, so Netflix have gave him a little movie contract, so he's doing a yeah. an Army of the Dead. And there's a there's a zombie tiger in it. 
There is. What? Yeah, yeah, white zombie tiger, and I was disappointed. It's not Mike Tyson. Is it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> is it? Is it like a serious fight? Like, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, serious punch to it. It's it's kind of like the way he did some of his Justice League films, and that it is a serious film, but there's some jokey bits. Yeah. In it. Yeah. It doesn't take itself too serious, but it also has its moments. Yeah. I sometimes just... think that helps. Like, yeah. Well, when when you're dealing especially with like, zombies. Yeah, yeah, it's good to have a bit of humor thrown in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know what zombies are. Come on. <laughs> just just eases the tension a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's some there's some good characters in it and stuff, and it, it yeah it's it's definitely worth a watch. Awesome. Did, see, I, for like Batista, he comes across to me as an act, what an actor would be like. It's like The Rock. It's just himself. Is he like that? Not really. No. No, he's he's quite he's plays quite a good character. Well, you've never seen. He plays. I think Drax. I think he'll do all right. Eh. He plays Drax yeah. and Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I've seen some yeah. too. And, and he was good. Fucking he was good in brilliant that. in them. It was yeah. really good in that. Yeah, it was quite. Good. I was surprised at how good he was in. Yeah, he's he's, he's yeah. good. He's, he's got a good it. humor factor to him, yeah. which you don't okay. always expect. Whereas The Rock is just literally Dwayne Johnson the in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. in the event. Exactly the same guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Anyway, we'll move we'll move ourselves on to album of the week. We've got Loopy. What have you got for us? So I'm going to go with an album that dropped this year from probably one of my top five favorite bands. So band is <laughs> While She Sleeps. Um, the new album that they've just dropped is called Sleep Society. Um, what I really like about this band is they're signed to their own label. They self-produce pretty much everything um i know they've got ties to some something over in america but um this new album that they have dropped is just amazing in my opinion to be honest and it's got simon neal on it from biffy clyro <laughs> can't, can't go wrong which is always that. a bonus always it's a bonus. All, it's all about mental health and stuff like that isn't yeah. it like what the main the lead singer in that have gone through over the last few years and shit yeah and like the last song on the album so like I've kind of followed them from about 2006, 2007, um, when they kind of mm-hmm. first came on the scene. Um, and they've always been serious and they only do they only do it because that is what they love to do. They don't go out and perform because it's money and coming into their pockets. Like they do it for everybody that comes to watch the show. And yeah. like the, the last song on this album, it's, it's seven minutes of just them speaking pretty much about what they've gone through from 2006, seven to now. Um, it's quite... It's, I wouldn't say it's emotional, but it's like you, you can feel the emotion coming from them, which yeah. I think is fantastic. Um, so it's it, makes, open makes it, it makes a difference nowadays because typically yeah. nowadays you just Music get people... means fuck all. It means fuck all. They just chuck out a song. Here's an and album, and get, pay me some money. Yeah, get me as much money as you can because I've chucked this really all right song out and everyone, it's catchy and it jumps. Whereas actually a lot of people nowadays, they just don't make music for yeah. Yeah. the meaning of it. It's just music for the sake of... It's for sure one band as well that either this year, hopefully, or next year, if I can, we'll be definitely going to see live because it's one of the only bands out of my top five that I haven't seen in show. So, yeah. Awesome. Right. We'll move on to myself for Restaurant of the Week. It's yourself. It's myself. It's yourself. So I'm going with Aberdam. So we had Dave. We had Dave on. That was the last episode, wasn't it? Last episode, episode fifteen. Episode fifteen. Yeah. So he was our our last episode, and he's started up. We mentioned it, Backyard Beach Collective, and they've. I think they've now extended their stay. Extended their stay to June. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's like the end of June. 
how many was it? How many was it? A thirteen hundred or th- how many people was it? It came through the door. Thirteen thousand. Thirteen thousand. Yeah. yeah. So. Fucking it's, hell. Yeah, insane. And it. So I got the chance today to go after a recycle. Their fries that Dave mentioned are phenomenal. They're fancy patties. Absolute phenomenal. I when he mentioned all oh, the potatoes and all this stuff, I'm like, aye, very good. Potatoes <laughs> are potatoes. <laughs> they're just, they're just potatoes. <laughs> they're just potatoes. They gotta be that good. But I went my typical fucking order, as you know. I went and got the nacho cheese and barbecue sauce. Nacho cheese. And it went down an absolute treat. So if you get the chance, over that luckily it's extended. We kind of thought it was the last weekend this weekend. Since weekend, it's yeah. extended now. If you get the chance, head on down. It's definitely, definitely worth it. And there's obviously plenty others there that yeah, it's a cool little fancy. Yeah, it's yeah, cool. And it's, it's local. A cool wee setup. And it's local, all local. And it well, at least I know that Aberdam uh, proceeds are going towards stacks, stacks. Yeah. which mm. which is just going to be a permanent thing in the city. So fuck when we it do, comes to do tuition, what we can. Yeah. Yeah, do what we can to help out. Awesome. Right, anyway, I think that rounds us up for the day, boys. Mm-hmm. Aye. Aye. So catch us all in two weeks' time for episode 17 when we'll be sitting down with photographer. Photographer. photographer, photographer, Easy photographer. More skateboarding photographer, if that's your, if that's your tip Cup of tea. Leo Sharp will be joining us. So we'll love you and leave you. Catch, right, you, guys. catch you later. Bye. Bye.